everybody's moving around. I thought we was going to do fruit basket turnover here for a minute. <laughs> I'm an old man. Don't confuse me with all this movement. <laughs> Good to see y'all this morning. Hello? Glad y'all are here. Better than being anywhere else, isn't it? Glad to be able to be here. If you have your Bibles this morning, let's turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. As uh, Paul finished up the fifth chapter in Romans, in verse 20 he said, The law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. As sin multiplied, grace multiplied. Sin reigns in death. Grace reigns, resulting in righteousness, resulting in eternal life. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for the day today, and we thank you for your precious word. And we pray that as we look at this passage together, God, we might be touched in our hearts and moved to be drawn closer to you. God, that... uh, we could see the importance of living a life as a testimony to you before the world. Give us the strength and encourage us, God, to get rid of the sin in our lives and live in a way that would be pleasing to Jesus and shed a light upon others that they might see him through us. Lord, we just ask all of these things in your name. Amen. Chapter 6 says, What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. For if we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is free from sin's claims. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him, for in light of the fact that he died, he died to sin once for all. 
But in light of the fact that he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourself dead to sin, but alive to God and Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law but under grace. Folks, that's a, a tremendous passage of Scripture that every Christian ought to be aware of and know where it is and read it more than one. We live in such a world today that uh, it seems that a lot of people think that uh, there is freedom in the fact that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ has forgiven our sins past, present, and future, we can just live any way we want to live, and it doesn't make any difference. We can do whatever we want to do, and it doesn't matter because Jesus has already forgiven that sin. And, boy, we, uh, we have a bad, mistaken notion about the way, sometimes we have a notion about the way we can live and get away with our sin because God has already forgiven us. We can just do whatever we want to, and God has already forgiven that sin. And you know, that's, that's a slap in the face to our Lord. It's what that is. Uh, we, we don't understand the Scripture. We don't understand about God's forgiveness uh, and about His dying for us. Verse 6 asks the question, Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? And answers, absolutely not. Sin's dominion, its rule over our lives, has been abolished. It was abolished when we accept Christ for the forgiveness of sin. We died to the domination of sin in our lives. We don't have to sin anymore. Well, you know, <laughs> I hear people quite frequently, and I've said it myself. Can't help but sin. We're just human. Well, if we're humans saved by grace, we've been forgiven our sins. We can help Amen. not sin by trusting in the Lord and calling on Him when we're tempted by sin in order to keep from sin. It's plumb disgraceful, folks, to see Christians enter into the world of sin and live there. Now, you've probably known people like that. Uh, I've known people like that. And I'll be honest with you, in my lifetime, I've been there. I know what it's like. It's a disgrace to God and uh, uh, to yourself if you think that you can get away with just because Jesus died on the cross to take away your sin that you can get away with doing anything you want to and we ought not to have that attitude we don't let our children have that attitude you know we love them and we care about them but if they do something wrong we correct them sometimes we get that belt or switch or something and put on that little 
bottom or those little legs or something, we get their attention, we let them know that's not the right thing to do. They can't do that. Well, folks, I want to tell you something. We who are saved by the blood of Jesus are the children of God. Amen. Now, I'm going to give you a rule of thumb to go by this morning. If you're doing whatever you want to do and living a life full of sin and God doesn't get you, you need to get saved. I just, but that's just honest. You need to be one of his children. If he's not disciplining you, you need to be aware of the fact that he disciplines his children the same way we discipline our children. Now, we get that out of the way. <laughs> Verse 11, Paul says to the Romans, So you too consider yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean we won't ever sin anymore. That's not what I'm talking about. That being saved uh, keeps us from doing bad things. And it doesn't. But uh, what it does is make us aware of when we do and uh, the need for repentance that we have. Uh, it means Jesus' sacrifice on the cross purchased our lives. Uh, we belong to him. And uh, the taint of our sin is removed when we trust Jesus as our Savior. That sin, that degradation, that dirt, that filth that uh, God sees in sin is washed away from us. It's been described as being covered by the blood of Jesus. Well, thank goodness for the blood of Jesus. Amen. That we don't have to stand before God in the filth of sin. And when God looks at us who have been saved, He sees the blood of His Son. Uh, and uh, we, uh, we need to rejoice in that. Verse 12 says, Therefore, do not let sin... Reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. We lie every time we say, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. <laughs> Folks, according to the scripture, if we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, we can help it. We don't, we don't have to sin. We don't have to follow what the devil whispers in our ear. We don't have to do like other people in the world. Uh, it might be that it costs us a little popularity or a few friendships, but we don't have to act like everybody else because we don't have a greater friend than Jesus. We don't have a God who loves us any more than our Heavenly Father. And he's proven that love for us by sending us Jesus to die for us, to take away our sin. Uh, we ought not to be about the business of uh, uh, sin anymore. Verse 12 says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. Therefore... We should live as conquerors and defeat or overcome sin as it confronts us in life. We can whip it. Y'all know you can whip the devil. 
Now, you know, that sounds a little frightening sometimes because the devil is a powerful enemy. He's powerful. He can do a lot of stuff. But I want to tell you something. As a child of God, covered by God's Holy Spirit, he can't get you. He can't knock you down. He can't whip you. He can't kick you. He can't bite you. He can't scratch you. The devil can't do anything to you unless you let him. Now, you fall in bed with him, guess what? You just open yourselves up to be abused and misused. But folks, as long as we live in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ and walk with Jesus as our Savior and our guide, the devil cannot, cannot do anything to us. It's not to say that he won't try but he cannot do anything to us. He can't harm us. He can't make us go astray. He can tempt us. He can lead us in that direction. He can try to get us to go astray, but he can't make us because Jesus has the power in our lives to enable us to say no to temptation and to sin. That's the strength of Jesus. The strength of Jesus overpowers and overrides the strength of the devil. Now, that old excuse, <laughs> I'm old enough to remember uh, a comedian on television named Flip Wilson that used to say, the devil made me do it. Do y'all remember that? Any of y'all as old as I am? Do y'all remember the devil made me do it? I want to tell you something. The devil can't make you do a thing. You do it because you want to. That's what you do. Now, with Jesus as your guide, he's telling you not to do it. You ought not to want to. Well, to want to walk in righteousness before him and before the world. How in the world are other people going to see Jesus if they don't see him in us? Amen. We are a living, breathing, walking, living testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when people look at us, when sinners look at us, when lost people look at us, what do they see? Do they see sinners saved by grace? Or do they see sinners still living in sin, even though they are covered by the blood of Jesus? I think about the way I lived at times in my life after I got saved, and I'm just plumb ashamed. And I have to tell the Lord frequently, I'm sorry. I know he's forgiven me, but it still weighs on me the things that I've done that I shouldn't have as a Christian. God forgives. He knew about those sins to begin with, and he forgave those sins to begin with. Doesn't make it right. And according to what Paul says in Romans, we ought not to take part of them in the future. We ought to do everything within our power, humanly possible, with the aid of the Holy Spirit, not to fall into sin anymore. It's there everywhere. You go to school as children, you're going to be tempted to do things wrong. You go to work as older adults, you're going to be tempted to do things wrong. 
you get retired and you go home, you're going to be tempted to do things wrong. <laughs> Ladies, I'm going to pick on you. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you like soap operas, <laughs> you're in danger. <laughs> Those are just devilish stuff. Devilish things on television. And so many people, they talk about some of those characters on those shows just like they're next door neighbors. I mean, you'd probably know people like that. But it's not just girls that have that problem. You know, guys are that bad about football and baseball and hunting. Oh, listen, we don't even want to talk about hunting this time of the year, do we? Huh? Baseball and football and all that kind of stuff. Hey, how many mamas and daddies forsake Jesus Christ, the church, and God and everything else? Ball season comes along. We got to, we got to haul the youngins around. Why? They like to watch the youngins play just as much as the youngins like to play. Just like men. <laughs> Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I used to love to play golf. Church is talking about that lady got her arm broke. God fixed me in my golfing. And I don't, I don't say that without thinking about it. I love to play golf. That's about the only thing that I ever really enjoyed athletically doing. But I used to love to play golf. And I'd go every time I had a chance. We had a little old thing called a car wreck. 1993, wasn't it? 90, what? 98. Well, five years one way or the other doesn't make any difference, does it? When you get your arm torn off and your left leg torn off, it doesn't really make any difference. But I'm going to tell you something. When you play golf, you're right-handed. When you play golf, you know what side you play golf with? Your left side. That's where your power comes from. That's where your strength comes from. That's where everything is determined when you play golf by your left side. And I didn't have a left side anymore. You see, God will get your attention and he'll use whatever is dearest sometimes to you as a human being. He'll take it away from you. He'll fix it where you can't enjoy it anymore. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, it's dangerous to fool around with your relationship with the Lord. If you have a relationship with God as your Savior, you don't want to mess with him. Because I'm going to promise you, he's a good daddy. And if we misbehave, you know what he's going to do? He's going to tan that hide. That's what he's going to do. And he loves you and he cries every time he puts that switch on you. But he does it because he loves us. He disciplines us because he loves us and he wants us to do right. Why? Because we are a testimony to the lost people. And he doesn't want anybody to die without him and suffer eternity in hell. That's why. If we think we have it hard sometimes because life is so tough on us, <laughs> we need to think about being caught in a fire. One of the most horrific things to me in my mind, in my imagination, is being caught in a fire and being burned on my body 
the way I see some of these folks burned. Now, my mother tells me when I was just a little fellow, two years old or so, we lived with the grandparents, I guess. <laughs> Y'all, hey, these young'uns don't, don't understand this. They never have seen one. But y'all remember those old big round coal-burning, wood-burning heaters that used to sit in the middle of the living room floor or wherever with a pipe run out the ceiling to get the smoke out? Do you remember how hot they used to get and how they had turned red on the outside from the heat? Terry was rocking as a baby sitting in front of that heater. I was two years old rocking like this and I rocked too big and the rocker went over against the heater Terry's face went against the heater boom Terry took his little hand two years old and pushed his face off of it before his mama could get to him she snatched me up and the meat and the ball balled up in the palm of my hand off of my hand my face was burned now I'm going to tell you how good God is and how recuperative two-year-olds are. I ain't got scar one. God fixed me. God fixes sinners the same way. We are tainted by sin, and we're going to burn ourselves alive if we don't get off of the heater God saves us. Look, when we stand before him, we don't have a scar. He sees nothing except his son because we're covered by his precious son's blood and his love. Well, I'm telling you, our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is the best thing to come along since snuff, the old folks used to say. I mean, that's, that's, that's good stuff. You can't get any better than your relationship with the Lord Jesus. Now, sometimes we, we see Christian people don't act like they have a relationship with the Lord, but I'm going to tell you something. You try to take it away from them. You're going to have a route on your hand, a, a rowdy little action going on. Uh, verse 12 says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. Therefore, we should live as conquerors and defeat, that's overcome, sin as it confronts us in life. We can whip it. I don't know what medically they did to me when I was two years old to heal that caused me to be healed. Now, I, 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 I know the doctors had something to do with it. The Lord had most to do with it. But folks, something was done right that I had no lingering results from that. Now, I, I wasn't that lucky uh, <laughs> when I had that wreck because there's some lingering results to <laughs> having your arm torn off and your leg torn off. Uh, I developed a limp and I got a solid left arm. That won't move. But at least I got one. You know, uh, God takes care of us even though we suffer in life the rigors of life and the turmoil that life brings us sometimes and the trouble 
and pain that life brings us. God is there every step of the way to put his healing hand on us and wrap us up in his loving arms and tell us it's going to be all right. Now, I can remember when our little ones were small and they'd get their feelings hurt about something or themselves hurt about something and they'd run to mama or run to daddy. We'd wrap them up in our arms and pat them and say, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Sometimes you even have to kiss a boo-boo. But it's going to be all right. God's in the business of kissing boo-boos. Folks, it's going to be all right if we have the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. It's going to be all right. He's the best boo-boo fixer, if you allow me to say that. He's the best boo-boo fixer that ever was because he can fix everything wrong with us, sin-wise, every otherwise. He loves us. He cares about us, and he wants the very best for us, and he can fix us. Verse 13 says, And do not offer any parts of, of it, your body, to sin as weapons for unrighteousness, but as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons of righteous, for righteousness. We should give ourselves to God as his instrument of righteousness. We ought to be tools in his hands that he uses to construct a relationship with people that are lost and don't know him. Verse 14 says, For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law but under grace. Folks, a lot of people have taken that little verse of Scripture, that phrase in the Scripture that says, For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law but under grace. I'm not under the law. <laughs> it doesn't matter what I do. I'm under grace. I'm, I'm going to be forgiven. Jesus is going to forgive me. Yeah. Well, you just had never got a good whooping. You know, I, I have the opportunity as a pastor to be in different churches and around here and there and pastor different churches. And I see children of all ages, little ones on up. And uh, <laughs> you can tell the ones that have had discipline in their lives and the ones that haven't. You know that? You can tell it. Uh, because having a bad character and acting bad will be unusual for a child that has been taught to be well-behaved and mannerly. They won't do the same things that little road rats do that, <laughs> that don't know, that haven't been taught how to act. And, I'm, hey, I know you've been places. I've been places where I've been uh, around people that had two or three little ones or, or maybe just one little one. And boy, I didn't want to go back there anymore if they were going to be there. 
Uh, you have, have you ever seen them in churches who just absolutely couldn't control a child up and down the aisle, up and down the walls, and you know, under the pews and around everywhere? Just you, look, and, and not necessarily just church. Just anywhere you go, you go into into the dime store, or you go into a department store, and Mama has to spend most of her time looking for the children because they're here, there, and yonder. They're under this rack, that rack, uh, under the counter, or in the counter, or whatever. <laughs> Y'all are looking at each other and grinning, so I know you've been there and done that. You've at least seen it if you haven't experienced it. We don't want to act that way with God. We don't want to make him look for us and hunt us and tan our little hide to get us to do right. He's given us the book <laughs> that tells us what we can do to do right Amen. and what we do if we do wrong. Amen. It's not like he hasn't told us. He's told us just like moms and dads tell children what to do and how to act. And sometimes we don't act that way. Sometimes we want to have it our way. Well, you know, if uh, if you don't get that out of them when they're little, it's going to make it worse on God when they get older because they're going to think they can do him the same way they did you, do anything they want to and get away with it. And they have to suffer the consequences. Folks, I'm going to tell you, you can't do anything you want to do and get away with it with God if you belong to him. Now, if you're not his, if you're not a child of his, you can do anything you want to and just zoom on through life and live just as happy and carefree as you can. But when you come face to face with that angel of death, that's a different story altogether. Verse 14 makes the point. Sin will not rule over you. Preacher, I can't help but sin. Well, you need to talk to Jesus. You need to get closer to him. Sin ought to be an accident, not something you take part in on purpose. It ought to be accidental. You're not under the law anymore, but under grace. We ought to live like we've been saved and covered by the grace of God. Question is, how would you characterize your life? Today, right now, how would you characterize your life? Free to sin because you're under grace? Do anything you want to, anytime you want to, anywhere you want to, with anybody you want to. Or free from the bondage of sin and free from eternal death. That's, that's the only two questions that are really important in our walk through life is, is how we deal with our relationship with the Lord. We can, we can do what we want to and stay away from God's grace, stay away from God's forgiveness and do what we want to do all through life. Or we can give our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and Learn what it's like to be free from the bondage of sin and under that grace and not have to worry about eternal death. You know, if uh, 
if we know Jesus as our Savior, we're a lot more likely not to be afraid of dying. We just, we know it's going to come. I don't know anybody that's living on the face of this earth, on this planet, that was alive 200 years ago. If you know anybody, hold your hand up. I won't hear their name because I want to look them up. They're not anybody. People just don't live indefinitely. We have a definite lifespan, and we need to act like it. Death is coming, but we don't have to worry about eternal death, spiritual death, if we know Jesus as our Savior. That uh, question about living in sin or living in freedom, does our lifestyle answer the question for us? Does the world see the answer in us every day? That's the question. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you died today, right now, would you spend eternity with him in heaven? Or would you spend eternity in hell with the devil in a burning, unquenchable flame? Choice is ours to make now where we'll spend the rest of eternity. Let's make that decision the right way today. Okay? Let's stand together and bow our heads and have a word of prayer and well extend an invitation uh, to you if uh, you feel that God has uh, moved in your heart and uh, you want to let the church know let the people know what what you've been feeling and going through uh, you can come forward uh, if you just need prayer, you feel free to come forward. Whatever need you have today, feel free to bring it to the foot of the cross and leave it for Jesus because he wants to take care of you eternally. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your precious love and blood, that blood that you shed for us. We praise you, Heavenly Father, for being our God and being willing to come to this old filthy earth, live as a human being among us, to shed your innocent blood for us that we might live with you eternally. God, we love you and we thank you for your love for us and your grace. We just give our hearts to you today in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, with no one looking around, if God has spoken to you and you need to do something for Him, you come to me right now. You come on and uh, you present yourself to me, to the church. You just do what the Lord wants you to do. You, you come on right now. It's a time of invitation for you to do what God wants you to do, and uh, we'll, we'll give him the glory for all of that.
know whether she can see me for the flowers. <laughs> well, you see this one right here? Look up. She's a little shy. She's a pretty thing. She's a pretty thing, though. Savannah. Knuckles, right? How many knuckles you got? Savannah Knuckles. It's come today that she's accepted the Lord Jesus as her Savior and she wants to be a part of our church. What is the will of the church? To accept her. Okay. It's to accept her as a candidate for baptism. Mm-hmm. Is there a second? Charles raised his hand. I guess that's the second time. We're just we're quiet, shy Baptists. That's unusual for a Baptist church to be quiet and shy. But all, all in favor of that say Amen. amen. Uh, all right, we're gonna talk to the baby about getting baptized and filling the baptistry up and uh, what all we do and why we do it. You know, we follow the Lord and. Baptism. Jesus was baptized as an example for us. Just uh, it's symbolic of our death to this life.